Welcome to part five in a series, Transform series. Uh, it's been a great series and looking forward to continuing the series today. I'm honored to be a part of the series. I want to talk to you today about fight for your family. Fight for your family. During World War II, Adolf Hitler, who was an inspiring um, artist, desired always to be a great artist, took it upon himself for the greatest art heist in history. You know anything about the art in world, during World War II? Um, the not, Nazi Germany did their best and stole thousands upon thousands of artwork, paintings, sculptures, artifacts, relics. For what purpose? So that Adolf Hitler would build himself a museum for him to enjoy. And had it not been for an allied forces of group of men and women called the Monuments Men, these artifacts and the culture of Europe would have been lost when the Third Reich fell. If it wasn't for 350 men and women, they weren't hardened soldiers. They weren't battle uh, trained. They were regular people. They were art professors. They were museum curators. They were people that just loved art. And they were not respected and they were looked down upon because they were not soldiers per se and went through boot camp and everything else. But their assignment was very important. And their assignment was to track down all the pieces of art that were stolen from the Third Reich. By the time World War II was over, they found and returned over 5 million pieces of artwork. It was masterful what they did. They were committed to their task, even though they were not respected. One man in the task force, 2nd Lieutenant Romier, had incredible resolve. It was part of his assignment to not only identify um, uh, protected places, but to stand and guard these protected places. There was one time a well-known story in the movement, the movie Monuments Men. Uh, it was in the story. It's well-known that he stood guard over this one particular chateau that was on the protected list. And you would wonder, why would he stand over this chateau? It was already on fire. Three of the four walls was already collapsed, but he knew it was on the list, and he knew it was important that he protect it. And so he heard um, the rumbling of a bulldozer coming to destroy the last wall that was standing. Second Lieutenant Romier stood in front of that last wall and the bulldozer coming and refused to move. A, a commanding officer got so upset about what he was doing. He said, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. There's nothing left. This thing has been, has been, has, this thing has been destroyed. Let us destroy the last wall. He would not budge. He would not be moved because he knew it was on the protected list. And he stood his ground, and the officer gave in, and that particular wall of that chateau was protected. You might be thinking, why in the world am I telling you this story? Here, this building was ravaged by war. It was broken. It was ruined, and it was left um, uh, for, to be destroyed, but the chateau was saved. I want you to think of yourselves this morning as a monument man and a monument woman. I want you to think of yourself today as, as in charge of something very valuable, something very important that you need to make your stand like 2nd Lieutenant Romier did hundreds of years 
about hundreds of years ago, but many years ago. You've been given valuable treasures to protect. Your marriage is a valuable treasure. Your children are valuable treasures. Your loved ones are valuable treasures. And it's important for you to realize today that you, each one of us, are on assignment. And God has assigned us the responsibility of fighting for them. The bulldozers of the enemy are here. There's no doubt that the biggest battle of the 21st century is in the home. It's happening against the home. We know that there's the ravages of cultural war that are taking place all around us. And it's important that we understand that the enemy will do his best to destroy our family if someone in our family does not stand up and say, I will fight for my family. In Jesus' name, the enemy will not destroy my family. Your family might be a mess right now. Your family might be broken right now. Your family might be in disarray right now. Your family might not be anything like you hoped for or dreamed that it would ever be. And you find yourself wondering, is it worth fighting for? Is it worth standing up for? Is that person, that that individual who have hurt us and, and brought pain into our lives worth fighting for? Well, here is our big takeaway today. Here's the one main point I want you to go home with. You ready? If you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. If you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. I want you to live in God's highest and best. And the place to start in God's highest and best is for you to identify and recognize your role when it comes to your family, your place, what God thinks about you and how God views you in the state and condition of your family. I'm reminded when God told Nehemiah at the time a high-ranking official in a foreign country where God instructed him to return back to his homeland and rebuild the broken-down walls of Jerusalem. His heart became heavy. His heart became burdened because his people were exposed. They are reproached to the nations around them. They had no walls to fortify, no walls to protect them, open to constant attack, constant fear, constant pressure, constant tension because their walls were broken down. And Nehemiah gathered the leadership of Israel together and he said this to them in Nehemiah 4, 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Enemies were coming to destroy the Israelites' homes, their marriages and families. But Nehemiah stood as an oracle of God on assignment, a man to inspire a nation, and said, don't be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He told the people, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your husbands, fight for your children. Amen. Fight for your homes. Fight for your families. And we understand that we can relate to that today, our values that we cherish and the godly principles that we hold dear and we've dedicated ourselves for are under attack today. And they are worth each one of us standing up and fighting for them. 
Amen. If we want to win our families to God, it all starts by somebody being willing to stand up and say, I'll fight for my family. I might not know the next step. I might not know how to bring peace. I might not know how to bring restoration. I might not know how to make it all come together. I might not know how God desires to do this. God's not asking you to understand the how. He's not asking you at, at all to do his part. He's simply wanting you to stand up and said, I'm willing. Say yes. Be willing to say, I will stand. Amen. We've learned years ago that God, all God expects of us is we do the possible and we let him do the impossible. When you find yourself at an impasse where you just have no clue what to do, all God wants you to do is say yes and do your part and let him do the rest. I love the picture in the Bible here. It paints this construction scene in Nehemiah verse 15 says, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bow, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers, listen, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting the load in one hand, holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. These men were building and battling at the same time. That's a great picture of us as families, that we must not become familiar with the fight to say, it's just not worth it. He's hurt me too bad. He's taken too much of my money. He's broken my heart in a million places. There's no way that this, we can ever, ever get along together. And I, I get that the family dynamic and the challenge of the pain caused and the darkness that comes on us is very overwhelming. And oftentimes we give up. But notice here in this story that not only did they build, they fought at the same time. Yes, we continue to build our families. Yes, we continue to do what we need to do. But we must understand that it requires both. It requires the building up and the battling together. They had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. And we live in a time where we must build up our families at the same time fight against the enemy that's trying to destroy what we're working so hard to build. When Nehemiah endeavored to rebuild the broken down walls that had been torn down, immediate opposition came against him. Perhaps your family is under attack. Perhaps you have a, a teenager that's away from God. Maybe you have a family member that's addicted to drugs. Maybe you have a situation where it's, it's overwhelming and, and, and you've not spoken to relatives because of a situation for months or maybe even years. Maybe strife and confusion is making your family life absolutely miserable. Maybe unforgiveness and bitterness are infecting your families. You must make a decision. While all that might be true, you must still make a decision and recognize the value and the importance that even though your family is under attack, somebody has to stand up and fight. And it needs to be you today. And I'm here as a rallying cry. I'm here as a rallying the troops. I'm here as a, one of the, the generals in the body of Christ to stand before the army of the living God and saying, it's time for you to recognize your assignment. It's time for you, no matter what the mess looks like, no matter what your heart 
heart says, something in you is going to be stirred today. Something in you is going to rise up today to say, it's time for me to recognize my responsibility and fight for my family. And the good news is, if you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. Here's the good news. I mean, it's actually great news. It says here in Nehemiah 4, 19 through 20, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Ever felt separated from your family? Ever felt like you were not a team? Ever felt like you're on different pages? Ever felt like, man, you're over here in your corner, you're in your corner, um, and, and, and family that just cannot get along, and you, you don't look forward to holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and weddings and family funerals. Oh, my goodness, we are spread out all over the map. But when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Understand something, God can't fight for us when we're all split apart. God can't fight for us when we said, you know, who cares? I don't care anymore. I don't love anymore. I've been hurt too mad, too much anymore. But when we come together, God desires for a team like the, the family of God here at Connect to rally together. Together really is better. Together, God can do much more than all of us separated by ourselves and isolated by ourselves and feeling sorry for ourselves and crying and singing the blues and, and not wanting to get out of bed with our favorite teddy bear and our quarter orange juice and saying, you know what, leave me alone. I'm done with it all. But when we come together and we realize it's time for us to fight together, it's time for us to rally together, hear the trumpet sound today, hear God speak to us today to say, it's time for us to fight, then God will fight for us. Amen. Nehemiah encountered great opposition in the rebuilding of these broken down walls, but made up his mind with a deep conviction, amen, that, that would not deter him. And he declared to his enemies in verse 20, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, no legal right, no historic claim in Jerusalem. Amen. We must make up our minds and say, you know what, devil? I know what you're up to, but you have no claim over my children. You have no claim over my husband. You have no claim over my wife. You have no claim over my relatives. You have no claim over our family line. You have no claim over our legacy. You have no claim over God's plan and purpose for our lives. You have no right to be here. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Couples, parents, young adults, need to settle two important things in the day that we're living in is your complete commitment to God and your complete commitment to your family. The two go hand in hand. You can't tell me you're committed to God without being committed to your family. You gotta be committed to both. It's both that sets you up for victory. It's both that's undeniable. It's both that's non-negotiable. It's both that we declare, I am completely committed to God. And because I am completely committed to God, I am also completely committed to my family. Amen. Because any looseness in your commitment to God and any looseness in your commitment to your family, the enemy will take advantage of and he will divide and conquer. Read it again, for Nehemiah 4.14. Remember the Lord who was great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. 
Listen very carefully. When you are making that stand, the enemy will do his best to try to distract you, do his best to try to mount up all kinds of pressure and attack. I love Isaiah 54, 17, because it gives us, it gives us the excitement, the, the promise, the enthusiasm, the, the, the steadfastness to know that when you do make your stand for your family, look what God will do for you. Isaiah 54, 17 says this. It says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. What a great promise for a monuments man. What a great promise for a monument woman. What a great promise for someone who says, you know what, it's time for me to step up. It's time for me to stand up. It's time for me to raise that red flag in the realm of the spirit and let all the powers that be, you're messing with the wrong people. You're messing with the wrong family. You mess with the wrong neighborhood. You've messed with the wrong church. That word formed here is a very important word. No weapon that is formed against you. The word formed here means a weapon that is specifically designed to take you out. Understand something. The weapon formed against me to try to take me out might not be the same weapon formed against you to take you out. What takes you out might not take me out. But you understand something. The devil knows enough about us because of our own big mouths, because of our own complaining and bickering and murmuring, because we have well publicized how we feel about individuals and people, that he knows exactly how to form a specific attack that's specific for you to take you out. And the good news is, and we can literally read the scripture and say, no weapon that is specifically designed to take you out will succeed. That's the good news today. That's really good news today. Because you might be thinking, man, I don't want to get involved. I got involved before and got burnt. I got involved before and I got robbed. I got involved before and I got bills to pay. I got robbed before. I got involved before and, man, now I'm in a, in a, in a tough place. I get that, and I understand that it's difficult. In many cases, it was the best thing to remove yourselves physically or materially away from the situation, but there's so much more we can do in prayer and so much more we can take up in our stance of faith and what we can believe God for. You don't have to fight next to someone to win. You can fight in prayer. You can fight by the Spirit of God. You can fight by your attitude, and you can fight by your determination to say, I will not back down. Nehemiah rebuilt those broken down walls. And despite the constant opposition that came against them, you know what? Those walls still stand today. My wife and I have visited those walls in Israel. We see those walls that are still there today because somebody stood up and somebody said, I'll fight. Somebody stood up and said, I'll lead the way. Somebody stood up and said, I'll do it God's way. And those walls are still there today. And 
day and night, prayers are still being prayed at those walls as we speak. Why do they stand? Because a man rallied a nation. Why do they stand? Because a man rallied families. Families, individual. It's a family story that we rallied together and families said, we will stand our ground. We will not back down. We will leave it up to the pastoral team. We will leave it up to the elders. We will take our place alongside our leadership team and stand and we will win every single time. Amen. It's a great story that I want to close with. James Garfield, he had been the 20th president of the United States. It only had been four months when he got shot in the back, July 2nd, 1881, by a would-be assassin. And he only lived three to four months after that. What's interesting about his wound was the shot should never have killed him. It wasn't the wound that killed him. It wasn't the fact that the bullet hit a vital organ or severed a major artery. No, the bullet hid behind his pancreas and they couldn't find it. But back in the day before they knew what we know today in medicine, they prodded and they poked and they stuck their fingers in his wound. And unsterilized um, uh, tools were applied to try to locate that bullet every day. This went on for eight days straight. And they tried, and they prodded, and they got this utensil and that instrument. And they worked, and they worked, and they worked. And meanwhile, President Garfield's health languished. And eventually, he died, not because of his wounds. He died because of infections. He died because of infections. I find it fascinating that Garfield didn't succumb to his wound by a bullet, but infections that caused by people who kept prodding the wound. You know, we do the same thing to our wounds. We replay our bad memories over and over again. We talk about them repeatedly to anyone who will listen. They're alive like it happened yesterday and it happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. We talk about it. We complain about it. We think about how we're going to um, um, exact revenge. We poke, we prod these gaping wounds, and in the process, we become infected. In the process, we become bitter and hardened. In the process, we often withhold our love for those who need it the most. And, and, but this is not how God wants us to live. This is not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is a new beginning. God's plan for you is a new story. God's plan for you is a new start. He wants to heal what's been broken. He wants to heal what's been torn apart. He wants to uh, help you understand the importance of biblical forgiveness and reconciliation. Listen very carefully today. Here's a very important point today. The first healing God ever did on this planet that is recorded in the Bible was not of a human being. It was of bitter water. Exodus 15, we read how God led an estimated 2 million Israelites from the salty sea to the waters of Marah. Marah in the Hebrew means bitter. God did not heal a disease 
or a broken bone, he healed bitterness. God knew that if he could get people to walk in forgiveness, be released from their bitterness, that healing would come. That when you forgive, you release the power of healing. Years ago, in a counseling session with a woman in our church, a woman whose husband left her and her four children for another woman, a once vibrant woman, alive, vivacious woman, was now dark, angry, lonely, bitter, hard heart. She sat with me, didn't know what to do next. And of course, I told her the first step to her healing was that she had to forgive her husband. You can imagine how good that went over. In fact, her voice, the look on her face, the angrier anger in her voice, she screamed out loud in my office, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. The hair in the back of my neck stood up. The tension was palpable in that room. What do I say next? I looked at her with such love in my heart. Man, my heart was broken for her. And I said, I get that. I get the fact that he's destroyed your home. I get the fact that he's brought such pain into your life and the life of your children. I get the fact that the future looks very dark at this point in time. And I said very quietly and calmly, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you deserve to be forgiven? She didn't know what to say. She was overwhelmed by my response. But understand something. None of us deserve to be forgiven. None of us deserve the grace that God freely gives. None of us deserves the mercy He renews to us every morning. None of us deserve the Lord and His unconditional love and His unfailing, unstoppable love. Please understand, all around us are parents that are estranged from their children. All around us are family members that are not speaking to other family members who only live a short few miles away. There are grandchildren that have never met their grandparents. There are people that have been abused and they harbor injustice and we get it, but they're unable and, and, and not qualified or have any ability to carry on any healthy relationship moving forward. Some have lost loved ones and they're so hurt they just can't figure out what to do next and how to even love the ones that are left. It's never wrong to love. It's never out of order to forgive. You don't compromise when you reconcile. You never lower your standards when you pursue restoration. In fighting for your family, you're saying, I'm fighting for my freedom. When you stand up for a, a family member, you're standing up to your freedom, not just theirs. You're declaring, I will not quit. I'll not give in. I'll not surrender to this pain. Not today, devil. I fight discouragement. I fight depression. I will fight those suicidal thoughts. I understand I'm hurt. I understand how I don't know how in the world what my future will look like. But I know, and I, we know firsthand, my wife and I know, we have fought for our marriage when it looked like it wasn't going to succeed. 
We have fought for our family. We have fought for our children. There have been more than once that we have felt disqualified for even pastoring International Family Church because our family or our marriage or our family was such in disarray. But you know what? You need to understand today that your leadership team are no different than you. We put our pants on the same way you do. We get hearts broken just like you do. We got to cry out to God and make certain decisions like you do. We have to fight just like you have to fight. We have to stand just like you have to stand. We have to drag ourselves behind this pulpit like you got to drag yourself to church today. We get it. We understand. But every one of us, whether you have a leader title or you're Joe and Mary who work your tail off for your family to pay your bills. No matter who you are, we all need to stand up today. And we all need to make a declaration today. And we all need to say, I will fight for my family. Let me tell you something. In one of the worst times of our lives as a married couple, the only time we both agreed in different rooms, not knowing what each other was praying, that we were done. We were not only fighting with each other, we were done with ministry. I said to the Lord, I can do other things. I don't need to do this. We were in a transition period, leaving our denomination. Between some of our choices and words that were being said, we were very discouraged. We were very angry. We were not in a good place. And I reached out to my dad, uh, uh, and he was the general overseer of this denomination. I didn't need a general overseer. I needed my dad. And I poured out, we poured out our hearts to our, my father. And he gave me the best possible counsel. He said, Jonathan, Verna, you can be bitter or you can be better. The choice is yours. Two weeks ago, that was 37 years ago. 37 years ago, we made a choice to be better. And it wasn't a one-time choice. It was a continual choice that we make over and over again, that we refuse to be bitter. We refuse to be infected. We refuse to be cynical. We refuse to let go. We, we refuse to get familiar. We refuse to not stand up our ground, no matter how we've been hurt or what's been said. We stand our ground. Some moments change everything about you and your family for the rest of your lives, whether loss or betrayal or addiction or infidelity. Without a doubt, these things change the dynamics of our relationships. But the good news is God is greater. God knows how to fix what's broken. God knows how to resurrect what's dead. God knows how to put all the million pieces of your broken heart back together again. You meet people all the time who are in dark places. Their hearts are darkened. Their soul is dark. Man, they think dark thoughts. Darkness seems to be all around them. We wonder when the light will come. It's bright as a noonday sun, and, and you're dark, and you feel there's, it's a dark place, and your thoughts you wouldn't want to share with anybody because they are just overwhelmingly dark. But here's what God has to say about your darkness. Isaiah 30, 26. Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold. As the light of seven days in the day, the Lord binds up the bruise of his people and heals the stroke of their wound. You know what God wants to do? God wants to heal your wounded places. He wants to turn your night into day. 
and your days shine seven times brighter. God knows how to take your darkness and make it brighter than the noonday sun to start fresh and new and to come into your hearts and to come alongside. See, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus cares about you. And he wants to infuse you with hope today. And he wants you to realize today, amen, that you can make your mind up today. Do you want to be right or do you want to be right reconciled? You want to continue to be hurt or do you want to be healed? You want to continue to be the victim or do you want to become whole? The choice is yours. I can tell you today, if you'll fight for your family, God will fight for you. Come on, give him praise this morning. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Just a few minutes left of this service. Every head bowed, please. Oh, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray you realize how seriously I took this assignment this morning. I can't tell you what's rolling around in my heart today, the the heaviness that I feel, the burden of this assignment. I ask God to just so supernaturally help me to communicate his heart to you today. I pray you heard his heart. I pray that I effectively communicated with enough passion and conviction that you no longer heard me, you heard God. You no longer heard me. You heard the strong voice of your heavenly Father coming to your rescue. The strong understanding of the God who cares about you today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you, those who need to stand up and fight for your family, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. But first things first, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I've tried to do this myself, but I know I'm not right with God. My sins are not forgiven. I don't have the assurance of heaven. I don't know where I'd be when I breathe my last breath. I've never started this personal relationship with Jesus. I know about God. I know about Jesus. I know about going to church, but I don't know about forgiveness, restoration, and a brand new start. Well, today can be your brand new start today. Today can be your new beginning today. Today, your sins can be forgiven. You can receive by faith forgiveness, eternal life, and a new relationship with a God who loves you and who will never do you harm. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need this Jesus today. If you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand, not because I want to embarrass you, not because I want to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do any of those things. But because out of the intentionality of your own heart, you're saying, that's me, and I recognize what I need to do today. And as a man and as a woman, I raise my hand knowing I can't do this without God. If that's you, you'll say, Pastor, pray for me, please. Will you raise that hand high today? Who are you? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, all kind of hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you up front. In the back. Thank you. In the middle. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Anybody else? Raise it up high today. Yes, thank you. 
Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I see it. Awesome. Let's all pray this prayer together. All of us together as one big family. Let's believe with the sincerity of our heart that Jesus is doing a work that only he can do in our hearts. Let's say it together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. I denounce my past, and I will live for you all the days of my life. I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Thank you for healing me today. Thank you for a brand new start in Jesus' name. Can we say a big God bless you to all those who just raised those hands today? Can we say, good for you. Good for you. You who raise your hands will get more instructions in just a moment. I don't need to raise hands for this today. But I know all of us need to say yes to fight for our families. All of us need to say absolutely. I don't know how. I don't know where the strength's going to come from. I don't have all the details. You don't need to know any of that. All you need to do is be willing to say yes. Take that step. And watch God do what only God can do. And those of you that have been burnt and hurt and overwhelmed today, those of you that are in need of healing today, then there's going to be prayer at the end of the service for those who actually need someone to hold your hands or lay hands on you and pray for you. But I want to pray a blessing over you today. I know what it's like. We've pastored International Family Church for 37 years, in ministry 42 years, and you can imagine the hurt people and the pain that we've prayed with and over and the, and the resurrection and the miracles that we've seen over all those years, no different than right here in Connect. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, you know every heart in this room. You know what they've been through. You know the pain they suffer. You know how lonely they are. You know how overwhelmed they feel. You know, Father God, exactly the condition of their heart, the darkness of their soul. You know exactly, Father God, how overwhelming this season is for them. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, by your Spirit and by your power. What a great day that we took communion today. That you, Father God, as you reminded us about your cross, your death and your burial, your resurrection, that we can be alive today. And I speak life over souls today. I speak healing over minds today. I believe in Jesus' name that as we make our stand, you bring healing and victory and restoration and hope into their hearts today. That they will no longer think those dark thoughts, but they'll begin to trust God. They'll begin to open up their hearts. They'll go to a small group. They'll open up their heart to, to the elders and other leaders in the church. And they'll begin to recognize, I can't do this by myself and they'll begin to recognize that God you open the door for a loving relationship and open the door for an opportunity Father God to receive prayer and to receive counsel and to receive your love and we just pray today is a new beginning a fresh start of a health healing and wholeness in their lives today that we leave this room today a monument man we leave this room today as a monument woman saying, we'll stand 
We'll fight. We'll not quit. We'll build and we'll fight at the same time. And if we'll be willing to fight for our family, God will be willing to fight for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.